0: Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family. Not in a minute, in a minute. Yeah. I want to um, welcome everyone to worship this morning. We've got lots of seats. It looks like there's a lot of people traveling for the long weekend. So I just invite you to come a little closer, maybe during the time of greeting. We'll we'll get a little um, cozy with seats closer to the front. Okay, it looks like we're a real small group, but I want to welcome those of you who are visiting. I see a few new faces this morning. We're delighted to have you. Today is, who knows what day it is? Oh, come on. (laughs) Tim, Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. So today is the day that we celebrate the gift, the gift that God gives us of His Holy Spirit. And um, we're going to open by singing together a song that we've sung a lot, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And I'm going to read, before we, we open that, to call us into worship, um, the words of the Psalm 103 that this song comes from. But this morning I was reflecting on, on these words a little differently. I was thinking about the Apostle Peter reading and singing these words after Jesus' death and resurrection. And how Peter had just gone... Because the words talk about being redeemed from a pit. And Peter had just denied Jesus. Peter had just been in a pit. And then he'd been resurrected from that pit. And so I'm going to read these. Why don't you stand? I'm going to read these words to call us into worship. But I just invite you to hear them through that lens of what Peter might have thought as he heard and read these words. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all His benefits. He who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father in heaven, as we come into your presence this morning, we thank you that we can say um, with the psalmist, with Peter, bless the Lord, O my soul and all my inmost being, because You've redeemed us from the pit of sin and of slavery to sin and of all its effects in our lives. Lord, because You have put our feet on the solid ground that is Jesus Christ. And because in Him, we've been given new life. We've been given freedom. And so, Lord, we bless you in this place this morning, and we pray that you would be blessed, that you would be delighted as we sing your praises. And we pray that as we raise praises to you, that you would meet us and that you'd fill us, your children. And so we sing, bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, we do. We worship your holy name. In this place, and Lord, we pray that um, as we spend this time together in Your presence, that You will You'll tune our hearts, Lord, that You'll You'll draw our hearts uh, nearer and nearer to Your presence, uh, to Your holy name. Lord, I pray that we would um, encounter You this morning in all of Your love, Your grace, and Your holiness. Lord, I pray that um, as we come in from a week in which we encountered a lot in our lives and in this world that wasn't holy, that um, in Your holy presence, those things would fall away, that there would be cleansing from sin. Lord, that You would just wash over the church and over each of us with a wave of Your cleansing forgiveness. But I also pray that You would set a new desire in our hearts even this morning to live holy, to live as lights in a dark world. Lord, to take seriously Your holiness and the cost of the cross to make us holy so Lord, even right now as we enter into worship, we um, receive Your grace. We receive the assurance of Your complete forgiveness. and We say thank You. Lord, fill this church this morning with thanks for who You are and for what You've done. Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends the Lord greets us with these words. Grace to you. Mercy and peace from God our Father from the Lord Jesus Christ and from the Holy Spirit. Amen invite you to take many moments to greet each other with the love of God. Um, Even while we were singing that song, I was reminded of a testimony that I received this week. So many of you will remember a video that was shown, I think, last week or the week before of a Christian Reformed church in Ontario, Canada, that was growing to understand the healing ministry of Jesus Christ and was praying for people. Well, I received a note that um, the pastor from that Christian Reformed Church and three others uh, led a, a prayer healing prayer service in rural Ontario Dunville Christian Reformed Church last week and that a hundred people came to learn about how to pray for healing and that they themselves got to experience it because at the end of the service they offered prayer where about a third of the people came forward and the testimony is that people were healed in that service from Lyme disease, from MS, from cancer, and that one woman got up out of a wheelchair that she'd been bound in and was dancing around the church. So Jesus, yeah, so praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that He still heals. Father, we we thank You that the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and our faith in Jesus make us wholly belong to Jesus and that our Sins, our debts, our wounds uh, have been fully paid. They're not 95% paid. They're not, I hope they're paid. They're fully paid. That You've removed them from us. You've separated us from them. And that the faith that You've given us in Jesus is one that You will carry on to completion. We thank You, Father, that we can live with absolute certainty that we belong to Jesus Christ. And we pray that the words of that song, that our boast will be in Jesus Christ, will be found true of us. Father, on this Pentecost Day, when we remember the outpouring of Your Spirit to clothe Your church with power, we pray that You'd clothe us afresh with courage, with boldness, that wherever You place us and whoever comes across our path, that Jesus will be on our lips. Without shame, with joy, Lord, that we would testify to newness of life, to forgiveness of sins in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I invite you to have a seat. There's no um, children's worship today because of the long weekend. We're going to go to family prayer. Now, and I'm going to share with you uh, a few things for prayer before we before we do. I believe that uh, many of you will have heard already that Ed Shoemaker died on Friday. So Ed's been failing for a couple of weeks. He was in the Christian Rest Home, but it was still a, a bit of a surprise for the family. They've met with him and with a hospice nurse uh, a couple of hours. Before he died, and the nurse said she thought he had a few more weeks to live. A chaplain came and spent some time talking to Ed. His roommate heard it, and Ed went to sleep, and he didn't wake up. He woke up with Jesus. So I praise the Lord. We praise the Lord that uh, it's just so, again, it's always so hard to imagine one moment to, net, to the next. But I praise the Lord that Ed is with, with Jesus now. His funeral is going to be on Thursday. At noon, at Steginga Funeral Home in Wyoming. And uh, we're all invited. There's a time to visit with the family at 11, the funeral at 12, and then uh, luncheon at 1 o'clock. So 11, 12, and 1. And uh, Eddie, Eddie, his son, is here with us this morning. So we're going to remember Ed. and um, Yeah, thank you, Bob, for just coming to place. Arms around him. Hard time for the family. Um, David Vincent, where are you, David? Over here. David's um, got a brother named John who was quite healthy until a few months ago, and John um, has been diagnosed with cancer. He's 46 years old, uh, and it, they found cancer in his lungs, cancer in his bones, and cancer in his brain. And so um, they've given him three to six months to live. And um, John did not know Jesus until a few weeks ago. Hospital chaplain shared the gospel with him. And he gave his heart and his life to the Lord Jesus and was baptized in the hospital. So we praise the Lord for that. And we're going to pray with the family, um, both for healing and for the Lord's will to be done and for comfort the family, it's a difficult time, especially as uh, David's mom Donna is still in um, Allendale in the nursing home, and that's been difficult for the kids too. Betty Scholl was taken to the hospital yesterday uh, and is undergoing some testing. Not sure what's wrong yet, so it was just past that that news. Okay, you ready for some good news? As we've been here's a here's a, here's a story that we can praise the Lord for. We've been, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke as a church family and we've been noticing the way that um, Jesus encounters people uh, with, with some version of God's love. He brings them forgiveness. He heals them. He brings deliverance, drives out evil. And then he calls them to follow him, right? And so we've been saying, well, let's pray for the Lord to use us to encounter people with his love. So this happened last week, Sunday, Mike Force. Approached me after the service and he said, Pastor Dave, this morning after I woke up, I was in the basement of our home and um, I began to see this picture. I don't know, maybe it was a vision, but I began to see this picture of a man uh, over in Lincoln Park. Lincoln, right? The Lincoln Park? Yeah, and um, he was dressed such and such way. And at uh, first I thought, well, this is kind of odd, but I just pushed, pushed it away. But then the picture kept coming back to me. So I thought, well, maybe this is from the Lord. And so I began to pray about it, and I had the sense that this man actually existed, and that I, I'm supposed to go and um, share the Lord with him, share his love. And so what do you think about that? And I said, well, uh, let's test that. It sounds like something that the Lord would do. And so one of the ways, I mean, it sounds like, like it's in, in keeping with God's character. And so one of the ways that you would test that is you would just go, and you'd see if that man was there. But I want you to go with a partner, because Jesus always sent him out in twos. And, and we sometimes can get in trouble when we go it alone. So Mike walked home from church and he asked Vic if Vic was able to go with him. And Vic wasn't able to go because he, was, he, had, he had some other plans. And so, um, obediently, Mike didn't go by himself. He sat down on the front porch of his uh, home on the corner of Bridge and Lane. And about ten minutes later, the man in his vision came walking down the street, dressed exactly the way he'd seen him in the, in the vision, And as Mike was looking at him, he stopped, looked at Mike and said, you look really comfortable. Can I sit down here? Mike said, yeah. (laughs) And within a couple of minutes, this man just began to pour out a story of pain and hurt. His mom had died four days earlier in Lansing. He hadn't been able to make it to the funeral. He was in a world of hurt. And so Mike listened, loved, prayed, and the man said to him, this is exactly what I needed. Thank you so much. And Mike said to him in the conversation, he said, just out of curiosity, when, when you came walking down the street this way, where did you come from? And the man said, I've been in Lincoln Park for the last two and a half hours sitting on a bench. And after being encouraged and being prayed for, he thanked Mike, and he got up and he left. What a beautiful answer to, Lord, use us to encounter people with your love. And, and we don't know the end result. We're still praying for that man. But just want us to notice and be encouraged that as we pray, the Lord speaks, the Lord guides, the Lord's going to continue more and more just to simply use us to encounter people with his love, to bless them. So with that, let's go into prayer, family. And for those of you who are visiting, um, we, all, we all pray, we all use our voice um, as the Lord puts things on our hearts. So Lord, uh, hear our prayers, hear our praise and our thanks, our joy and our petitions. Even now, that as we open your word, that you will give us ears to hear. And we pray that your word will find good soil in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. These are the words of God spoken through Jesus. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Anybody ever heard the name Jackie Pullinger? Yeah? One, two. Jackie Pullinger is um, still alive, I believe. Jackie is a, is a British missionary to Hong Kong who began her ministry in the 1960s. Um, crazy story. Felt a call by God to international mission work. Wasn't sure where approached some mission boards in Britain and they all said, you're too young. She was in her early 20s. You need to be at least 25 and need such and such training. She said, well, God's calling me now. And I said, sorry. So she went to her bishop and he listened to her. He did a little discerning with her. And he said, "Um, if God's calling you now, I recommend that you go now. And she said, well, go where? And he said, well, has God told you where? She said, no. She said, "Well then he said, "Well then get on a ship that has the longest passage around the world and the most amount of stops, and let God show you where to get off." And so she went. And the Lord led her through circumstances to get off in Hong Kong. And she began ministering in a place called the Kowloon district of Hong Kong. It was an illegal, walled city that was um, without any police presence or without any... um, uh, It wasn't under the rule of Greater Hong Kong. There's a long story behind it, but it was a horrible place. And as she begins to describe it in her biography, which I just read, um, she talks about how the streets were no wider than 18 inches apart. The alleyways. So there wasn't streets, there was alleyways. And how when you walked down the alleyways, you always had to keep one eye up to make sure that people weren't throwing their sewage out so that it didn't land on you. There was no electricity, there was no running water, and the streets were literally one opium den after one heroin den after a brothel after an opium den after a cheap plastic factory after an opium or heroin den and on and on it went. And it was the darkest of dark places to live. She said people there had, they didn't even hope to have hope, because that was scary. Kids would get, kids would get routinely, young women would get routinely um, seduced and um, captured and sold into prostitution just to pay somebody's next, for somebody's next fix. The, the gangs that ruled the Kowloon district were so fierce that if a newcomer walked into the wrong street, regardless of not being in one of those gangs, just happened to walk into the wrong street without knowing it, he'd get beaten to within an inch of his life, just as a warning. It was dark. And as Jackie ventured into this walled city, And began attempting to minister to people. The folks that she began to to attempt to build relationship with, and minister, were the ones who she'd find sleeping off their fixes in doorways, in alleyways, on staircases. And um, she would. This is what she'd do. She soon realized that she needed help. That the people that she was sharing Jesus with were against overwhelming odds. If they if they believed on Jesus and they were going to start living a Christian life, they were against overwhelming odds um, to actually live that life in this district. And they had nowhere else to go. And so she would share the Gospel with somebody and if they would say, yes, I would like Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, I'd like to invite Him into my life, she would then say to them, okay, I'm going to lead you to pray to Jesus He's going to take away your sins. He's going to come into your life. And they would do that. And so they'd become a Christian. And then this this is what she'd do next. She'd say, okay, now you've just become a Christian. Now, here's what's in front of you. You're going to live, you're now going to live a supernatural life as a Christian. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask Jesus, who's just become your Lord, I'm going to ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can live this supernatural life. And so she would pray for them. She would say, God, would you please fill this new child with your Holy Spirit? And God would fill each one with the Holy Spirit. Right then and there on the street. Now, and I won't tell you what that looked like, but, I, but I'll tell you this. that as I'm, as I'm using the words supernatural and filled with the Holy Spirit, you might be tempted, some of you might be thinking of things like miracles and the like. That that's what she means by supernatural. But actually what she meant by supernatural was what Jesus is saying to us this morning. That these people are now going to start loving their enemies. They're going to start blessing people that are cursing them. They're going to start doing good to those who hate them. They're going to start praying for those who are mistreating them. And i just got to tell you that I find it so perfect that the Lord allowed it to be lined up that today is Pentecost Sunday and that my preaching text is on love your enemies. Because there could be no greater need for the power and the presence and the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit than for a Christian to love. The whole Gospel is Love. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be effective witnesses of Him. And what is He? But one who loves His enemies. And so Jesus, this morning, is saying to His disciples, remember He just finished telling them last week, that as you follow Me, as you place your faith in Me, as you love and obey Me, get ready for rejection. You're going to be mistreated. You're going to be rejected. Your name's going to be held as evil because of the Son of Man. And he warned them and he said, don't let that fool you. Don't let the world fool you by what they say is blessed. Actually, people are going to carry on being well-fed and laughing and having food and homes of plenty. And they're going to think themselves blessed, but they're not. Actually, those people are carrying on in those things partly and precisely because they're refusing to align their lives with me. And with the, the hardship and the persecution that might come from following Me. And when you follow Me, when you love Me, when you obey Me, when you let your life be like My life, filled with My life, you can expect hardship. And so now Jesus, but He's saying to them, in that hardship, you've got to know that you are blessed. Remember we said that those who align themselves with Jesus are finally, fully, eternally, supremely blessed. And now Jesus is turning to his followers, he's carrying on and he's saying, let me tell you how to treat people when they mistreat you. And he says, love them. Love them. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And when somebody curses you, you bless them. And when somebody mistreats you, you pray for them. And then Jesus carries on and he gives four Short examples. So let's look really quickly at those examples. Uh, Jesus says first, if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. And actually that was a reference to being kicked out of the synagogue. So you remember last week we talked about a little bit about, about how the synagogue or the church was kind of the center of the, of the town, of the culture. And how to be kicked out of that was to be kicked out of all of your relationships. It was to be estranged. Well, oftentimes when somebody was kicked out of the synagogue, it it was like um, it was definitively demonstrated by a slap. You're publicly humiliated and scorned. And so Jesus is saying, "Look, if that happens to you, you don't retaliate. You don't get angry. You don't overcome evil with good or evil with evil. You simply allow the other, other. You turn the other cheek." Now, Jesus is not advocating that we intentionally carry on in abusive situations. Jesus is not saying that it's good to be hit. He's saying that when we face mistreatment for following Him, that we don't fight back. And then the second thing Jesus says to His disciples is, if someone takes your coat, don't withhold your your shirt or your undergarment from them. And what he's referring to is the way that sometimes when you owed somebody money and you didn't have money to pay them, you might give your outer garment as a pledge to that, that creditor and that would be held until you could give the money. And so he's picturing a really stingy um, money lender chasing a person down and not giving back the outer garment that was held in a pledge, but saying, you know what, you still owe me and you haven't paid and so um, I want your I want your inner garment too. And that would have been a person's last protection against exposure to the elements. And so Jesus is saying, if if you owe someone money and they come after you, even for that undergarment, you give it to them. And what he's doing is he's saying, this is what it looks like to be a child of God, that you have such extraordinary trust in your Father in Heaven, that you don't have to fight. You don't have to protect yourself. You don't have to um, provide for yourself. When you're, when you're being treated this way, you can give it because the Lord looks after those who are in need. And um, his audience would have had in mind a whole lot of Old Testament passages where the, the, the scripture talks about God hearing the poor who call out to him. because God said to the poor, when you get mistreated, you can call out to me and I'll hear you and I'll answer you. The third thing that Jesus says is, "Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what oh that's the fourth if anyone takes give to everyone who asks you what what he's referring to here is the way that um, in the in the, do you know what I mean if when I, when I say the year of jubilee in the Old Testament God had said to his people that every seventh year was going to be the year of jubilee, and that at the end of seven years you would you would automatically um, release anyone of any debt that they owed you. So if someone um, purchased land and they hadn't fully paid for it, or if somebody borrowed money from you and they hadn't fully paid you back, at the end of seven years, all debts were fully and completely released. And that was a way of ensuring that people didn't get stuck in perpetual poverty. That um, th- that there was always a way out from underneath Debts that people owed that they couldn't, that they couldn't pay back. And so you can imagine that if you, if you were one who had money and it's year six and someone comes to you to borrow money and you're looking at the home that they live in and you're looking at the clothes that they wear and you're looking at the job that they have and it doesn't look like there's too good a chance that they're going to pay you back that you're making some internal decisions about this person's creditworthiness. And you're saying to yourself, yeah, maybe I don't want to lend to this person. Well, Jesus is saying that His followers don't make assessments about how they use money, how they lend money, based on a person's ability to pay it back, based on a person's... Um, Yeah, their ability to pay it back. So Jesus is saying, um, My followers are generous, and they meet human needs as a reflection of God's generosity, not uh, because they feel like they're going to get something back out of it. Okay? And the fourth thing he says is, Give to everyone who asks you, and after that, if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And when we hear him say, If anyone takes, you know, we, we're tend, we tend to think of if they take by force, but actually the word that's used here doesn't denote any force at all. It, rather, it pictures um, like if someone borrows from you. It's that kind of taking. If, someone, if you lend and someone takes from you, then, and the word that's used after that, the do not demand it back, is don't press them for repayment. So don't be like someone who, who lends money and then goes and says, hey, Um, that money that I lent you, when are you going to give it back to me? Hey, when are you going to give that back to me? Hey, when are you going to give that back to me? But instead, Jesus is picturing his followers as those who lend generously and then they trust that it's going to get paid back and if it doesn't, that's okay because their trust isn't in that person or in that money. But their trust is in a Father in Heaven who takes care of them. Okay, So, Here's what, here's what we need here at this point. These are four really short examples, but Jesus could have gone on and given dozens and hundreds of more examples because he's just giving these examples to um, illustrate the, a principle. And the principle is what his followers are like, what kind of hearts they have. And his followers, he's saying, if you're going to be my follower and my life is going to fill your life, and you're going to be like me, then love is going to flow from you. And love isn't first and foremost a feeling. It's not something abstract. Love, when it comes to God, is concrete. Love has action. So God's love forgives. It releases. God's love blesses those who don't deserve it. God's love prays even for enemies. And... Jesus is telling his followers this because he knows that that kind of love, that concrete love that gets demonstrated that way, is what the whole world needs and is hungry for. And so let me just give a couple of stories to illustrate that. Uh, I, I was thinking of stories here and I, um, I reread Philip, uh, parts of Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? If you've not read that, I just highly recommend reading it. It's an incredible book. But here are two stories that Yancey recounts in that book. Some of you might remember uh, in the early 1990s, I think it was 1992, the race riots that happened in um, South Central Los Angeles when an uh, uh, African-American fellow was, was beat by four police officers and they were acquitted. It was caught on camera, but they were acquitted. And these riots just broke out all over. And on, uh, I think it was March 3rd, 1992, Reginald Denny was driving his tractor trailer through an intersection in Los Angeles, and his radio was broken, so he had no idea of knowing what was going on, uh, and that riots had broken out. And a bunch of folks uh, st- actually st- walked in front of his tractor trailer, stopped it, reached up into the cab, pulled him out onto the sidewalk. He had no idea who they were, they didn't know who he was, and they beat him with a brick, crushed his skull, 91 fractures in his skull. took him months and months and months to recover enough to be able to talk and to even be able to be present in the courtroom. And in that time, they caught all four of those men. And a trial began. And as that trial um, unfolded, the world watched on with awe as Reginald Denny said to, to everyone, I forgive you. In front of everyone, I forgive you. I forgive you. I hold no grudge against you. And he walked across the courtroom and he hugged the mother of one of those young men. The young man was still belligerent and arrogant and hadn't once apologized, hard as a rock. And Reginald Denny says, I forgive you. Because he'd just become a Christian. Months, just months, before that happened. Five years before that, 1987, Gordon Wilson was at a Remembrance Day parade in Enniskillen, Ireland. And he was waiting for the parade to begin with his daughter Marie when a bomb planted by the IRA went off in a building behind them. Gordon sustained injuries, but his daughter Marie, 20-year-old nurse, um, received brain injuries and spinal injuries and she died in his arms. And four hours after his daughter died in his arms, Gordon Wilson was interviewed by the BBC and to all of Ireland and Britain and to the world watching on, he said, I bear no ill will. I hold no grudge. And he began to plead for forgiveness and for reconciliation. And actually, his his um, forgiveness of the men who'd killed his daughter was one of the turning points in that entire entire crisis in Ireland, and led to peace talks. Um, and he got to personally meet with the men who'd planted the bomb that killed his daughter and personally look them in the eyes and say, I forgive you. In Jesus, I forgive you. Grace, undeserved forgiveness, penetrates the deep places of the human heart because grace is what everybody needs. And love for enemies, for you and I, doesn't need to look like a grand example of losing a daughter or getting our skull beat in. Love for our enemies and hating those who mistreat us and blessing those who curse us can look like all of the everyday small ways that we are mistreated, that we are... um, let me just give a few examples. So some of you have a, a boss at work that's got a burr in his saddle and just seems to have it in for you. Some of you have got classmates that just um, continue to say mean and sarcastic things to you. Some of you have got friends or family members uh, or acquaintances that just have it in for for you. All of you, if I give you space, can think of people in your lives who are less than loving. People who are irritating. People who are mean. Unkind. Rough. Arrogant. People who hurt you. And so what's our reaction to those people? You know, as I reflected on this text this week, I thought I thought about how as Christians, we learn we pretty, pretty early on in our Christian walk that it's not okay to swear and it, anymore and it's not okay to punch people anymore and it's not okay to handle our anger in violent ways. And I see some of you smiling. And so we stop doing those things. But what happens when we stop doing those things, I think for many of us, is that the anger just gets held in. It gets, um, so we stir and we stew and we brew and we hold it all on the inside. And so it's not getting expressed. We're not cursing people. We're not punching people. We're not swearing at people. But ask us if we're angry. And ask us ask us at the wrong time and you'll you might get an earful. The heart still holds a lot of anger, doesn't it? Yeah. And so the 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 question this morning isn't about how do we How do we do behavior management? It's not about how do you... Jesus isn't saying, stop cursing, stop um, swearing, stop hitting, stop these, these things. He's not saying, stop the behaviors. Jesus is saying, love. He's saying, when you follow me, you're going to get to the point where the reaction and the response that comes out of you is to be love and blessing and forgiving and praying. And so how do, we, how do we respond to Jesus when we know what lives in our hearts? How do we get to the point where what really comes out of us is love? Rather than on the inside and not doing anything, but genuinely, where we genuinely have a heart of love. And that's what flows out of us. Like, if you just picture for a second a a sponge, okay? Whatever's in the sponge, when you squeeze it, comes out. If you've got muddy water in the sponge and you squeeze the sponge, out comes muddy water. If you've got rusty water and you squeeze it, out comes rusty water. If you've got uh, water with baking soda in it and you squeeze it, out comes water with baking soda. But if you've got pure water in a sponge and you squeeze it, out comes pure water so how do we get to the point where when we get squeezed, out comes pure water? How do we get pure water? How do we get hearts that are pure with the love of God? I think that's the question before us this morning. Not how do we try harder, but how do we get a heart, a different heart, a heart that loves like Jesus' heart loves, God's heart loves. And I think the answer is um, pretty simple. But involves um, a fair amount of prayer and work. And and here's the answer right here. You hear me often call us to lift our eyes up to the cross. But here's what we're going to do, if we want that heart. We're going to copy. We're going to copy our Father in heaven. We're going to copy the way that He relates to us. So how is it that He he can look on us with all the junk in our lives, with all the things that we think and do and say that are horrible, really dark, that are evil? We know what's lived in us. We know what we've done. How can He look on us with that stuff and still have the heart of love that He has toward us? And the answer is that He doesn't look at us through, can I borrow your glasses for a sec? Okay? If this is, if this is our, all that stuff, He doesn't look at us like this through the lens of that stuff. What He does is He takes that stuff off. He separates that stuff from us. Okay? He takes that stuff, I won't wreck them, and He puts that stuff on the cross, on Jesus He separates us from the stuff so that when he looks at us, he really isn't looking at that stuff. He's looking at us as he's made us through Jesus. If you want to love somebody, you want to really love them, you've got to look at that person as separated from their sins. In other words... Even the person who's yelling at you. So let's just pretend Kate's yelling at me right now. Kate and I are having an argument. And she's yelling at me. How do I get to the point where I'm really loving Kate? Even in the moment, I'm seeing Kate as separated from the anger that's coming out of her. The yelling. I'm separating her from her sinfulness. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. Because when, when we're looking at people, we're trying to love them. We're just looking at them through the junk. There's junk coming our way. There's hurt coming our way. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. It's junk. And we're, res- we're looking at them through that junk. And that, that's making us hurt and angry. What we've got to do is the same thing that God did for us. That junk's coming. We take it and we put that junk on the cross. Paul says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, from now on we regard nobody in an earthly manner. We regard everybody through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to love somebody, anybody, and you want to love them well, you've got to regard them through the cross of Jesus Christ. And in fact, that's the only way that our relationships here as a church family will flourish too. Because we still sin, we still hurt each other. But when we look at each other through Jesus, through the cross... Then we're able to love, and in fact, I think the more that you keep your eyes on the cross and on what Jesus did for you in separating you from your sins, the more you'll be able to live looking at everyone else the same way. Does that make sense? Okay, let's. I want to close with this. It's the same thing I said earlier in the sermon, but it bears repeating. When Paul when Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he talks about the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, right in the middle, he has this chapter, chapter 13, on love, and he says, Now I'll show you the most excellent way. That way is the way that Jesus is teaching us this morning, and that way is the whole reason that we're given the gift of the person of His Holy Spirit, so that we can love. So let's pray, that, let's pray a fre- for a fresh um, filling for each of us this morning, of God's Spirit, so that we can love the way that God loves us. And listen, there's people in your lives that are going to see Jesus when you love this way. And there's people in your lives that are not going to see Jesus if you don't love this way. Right? Okay, let's pray. Lord, You tell us to ask and we'll receive And so here we are asking for um, more of your heart in us. We just humbly acknowledge before you what still lives in our own hearts that isn't love. Lord, you know our hearts, and so we say before you, search us and try us and consume, get rid of all our darkness. Lord, fill us with your light. Lord, fill us with with your love. Lord, fill each of us and fill the church afresh with power from your Spirit to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who mistreat us so that the world and the West Side will see your glory, Jesus. We pray this in Your precious and Your powerful name. Amen. Do you lift up your hearts to receive this blessing from God? May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. A couple of really quick announcements, church. Um, One is just a reminder that as a church family, we're praying about what does discipleship look like here? What does it look like to grow each other, grow up in Jesus Christ? And so as you're praying about that, and you have discernment or senses that you want to pass along, Email them to Pastor Gina. And then, Nate, you had an announcement. Thank you, Nate. So, a midweek Thursday evening, 7 o'clock, training about prayer, worship, fellowship, and food. Go in peace.